Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to get ready to hop right in because I got a lot of scripture today. I got a lot of scripture that we're going to be going through, uh, and I don't want us to waste any time. If you're going to uh, be following along uh, in your Bible, we're going to be in the book of 1 Kings. It's a book in the Old Testament, so open your Bible midway through and make a left, and you'll, you'll eventually find it. 1 Kings, we're going to be looking at three chapters, chapter 17, 18, and 19, and uh, what we're going to be looking at specifically is the account of the prophet Elijah. Elijah. Who's ever heard of Elijah before? You heard of him in the chat? You've heard of Elijah before? Uh, Elijah is one of the greatest men of God who has ever lived. Uh, A prophet who um, Jews uh, hold up and revere. Uh, uh, Muslims and their faith, they hold up and revere him. Christians, we do, obviously, as a man of God. This is an incredible person who did amazing things, saw God move in mighty ways on his behalf. So we're going to be looking at Elijah in these three chapters, and we're also, keep in mind these other two names, these two side players, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. You're going to hear their names pop up as well. And I just want to kind of set uh, uh, the tone real quick of what's going on in these scriptures that we're going to be reading. Uh, Elijah is raised up as this man of God. And what he is doing is he is called to speak power or speak truth to power because the king and the queen who are in power are evil. They're doing things that completely and utterly dishonor God. So just because they're the king and queen of Israel doesn't mean, oh, well, it's God's chosen people. They must be good, right? No, they are evil and they are doing things that dishonor the Lord. So God raises up Elijah to speak truth to power. And what I want us to do is kind of start at the end. So we're going to be reading from uh, the last set of scriptures that we're going to be looking at today as well. We're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. This is what scripture tells us. Now Ahab, the, the king, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Real quick, what, what that's talking about is, and we're going to read about it, there's a confrontation that happens in Scripture where Elijah goes up against a false god. He goes up against a false uh, god with false prophets. And once it's deemed that this false god truly is a false god, all of the prophets who worshipped him were put to death. And so the king is telling Jezebel, hey, this is what Elijah did, and now all the prophets have been killed with the sword. Verse 2, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So that's not a threat, that's a promise, right? She's like, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be gone. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. He was afraid. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Who has prayed that prayer this week? Who's prayed that prayer a time or two during this pandemic? I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar 
of water. Who's getting hungry? (laughs) He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Today, if you're taking notes, our sermon title is Ravens, Oil, Fire, and Food. (laughs) Kind of a mouthful, kind of confusing, right? Ravens, oil, fire, and food. What are we talking about? Well, today what I want us to focus on is the provision of God. I want us to focus on how God provides for us. And I think this is something we need to talk about because we're in a building campaign, because we're raising funds. We need to talk about this because I guarantee there are some of you, and by some I I may mean a lot, (laughs) there may be a lot of you who are out there wondering, okay, we're in a building campaign, the the church is wanting us, you know, we're we're, we're running from favor, right? We're running from favor and we're we're, we're living like no one else is coming and so we're giving like no one else is coming. Um, What if I run out? What if I run out? I'm not saying you have to admit that you've thought that, but I know you have at some point. Because if, if you're coming to church and we're talking about giving like no one else is coming and giving until it hurts and sacrificing, I've talked about that, that me and my wife are, are looking at how we can give in big, sacrificial ways. It's natural to think and to wonder you to yourself, well, okay, if I give and give and give, will I have anything left, left, left? Like, am, am I just going to give until I run out? Will I have anything left over? My daughter, Evelyn, man, she's, she's a little giver. She's a little sweetheart. She just, it's, it's one of her spiritual gifts, man. She just loves to give. She loves to give. Um, we, we joke she's like another little mama because she looks after Griffin, our youngest son. She's like a little mom to him, making sure he's okay. She lets Jessica know if he needs anything, right? She's all on top of that. And now she's become uh, a, another mama to our little furry friend, uh, our, a little dog that we just got, Teddy. Man, she loves him too. And same thing, she takes care of him. The whole reason we got him because Evelyn wanted a puppy, right? So she loves him, takes care of him. Um, And one of the things that she really likes to do is give, share her snacks. She shares her snacks with the dog, shares her snacks with Griffin all the time, Um, constantly see her like slipping some food to them. Uh, And the other day, she was giving them something. I can't remember what it was for the life of me. I think it might've been like little apple slices or something like that, but she was giving some to Griffin and occasionally throwing some to Teddy. And it was really sweet, right? Really sweet. She's just sacrificial, just giving, giving, giving. Well, she reaches the end, right? And she's taking about one bite for every five she's giving away. She reaches the end, goes over in the kitchen to grab another apple. And guess what? No apples left. No apples left. So she comes over to me and, Dad, can I have another apple? Can you cut me up another apple? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let me go in. And I'm looking around. I'm like, honey, we're, we're out. We're out. And you can suddenly see the realization like flow over her face. Maybe I shouldn't have included the dog on this. Like maybe, maybe just me and Griff could have eaten apples. Did I really need to throw all these away? And you could see that moment of like, I, I wish I had more. I wish I had more because I didn't realize that there would be nothing left after I gave and gave and gave. And some of you, as we're talking about making commitments, we're talking about giving, we're talking about sacrificing, you may be thinking along the lines of Evelyn. I'm I'm worried if I give, 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 I won't have anything left, left, left. (laughs) 
I'm worried if I give, I'm going to go to God and say, okay, can I have another apple? And he's going to say, sorry, honey, we're all out. We're all out. I want to let you know if that's you and you're wondering that, that is completely normal. I wonder that sometimes. <laughs> if you're feeling that way, don't feel bad like you're any less of a Christian because you're not trusting in God. That is completely normal and completely natural to be scared, to be scared, to feel like, man, I, I, I don't know if I, if I give that much. It's totally normal to feel like Elijah in his prayer when he says, Lord, I have had enough. Lord, I have had enough. I've given as much as I can. Things are already crazy for me. Who in here knows a thing or two about a hectic schedule? Hallelujah. I see those hands. Who in here knows a thing or two about mounting bills that are just due? And you're like, didn't I just pay this? And it's already due again. You know a thing or two about that. Who knows a thing or two about anxious thoughts? Thoughts that like, <laughs> we got an amen over here in-house. <laughs> what about you online? Do you know anything about anxious thoughts? Do you know anything about anxious thoughts, about feeling like, man, I just can't shut off my brain at night, and I'm just worried, I'm just worried, I just think about all this stuff. And now on top of all of this that I'm dealing with, my church has a building campaign. <laughs> and they want me to give the same time, talent, and treasure that I'm throwing at those things and they're now wanting some of that too. God, will there be an apple left over for me? <laughs> Is the cupboard gonna be empty? Is the fridge gonna be empty? Will I be okay? If that is you, from the onset, what I wanna let you know today, if that is you, is if God has provided for you in the past, and can I say, I want every single hand, if God has ever provided for you to shoot up right now, you see the hands online. I want to see the hands in the chat. I want to let you know if your hand is up right now, if God has provided for you then and there, he won't forget you here and now. He won't forget you here and now. You can take that to the bank. If God has provided, he will provide again. He will provide again. Let's get back to Elijah's story. So we're, we, we jumped to the end. Now we're going to jump back to the beginning of Elijah's story in verse uh, uh, chapter 17, starting in verse 1. This is what scripture tells us about Elijah. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe, it's a name, right? Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab the king, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is the judgment from God. This is, hey, you've completely dishonored me, completely lived apart from my will and my purpose for you as a king and you as a nation. So this is the judgment. This is the outcome. There will be drought throughout the land. Verse two, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. Elijah is on the run because, as you can imagine, finding out that your kingdom is about to have a drought, and it's specifically because of you, didn't exactly make him a popular person with King Ahab. So he leaves and he hides in the Kareth Ravine. God tells him in verse 4, You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens, the ravens to supply you with food there. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Incredible stuff that we read here in Elijah's life. Incredible ways that God 
provides. You see, Elijah is in this uneasy position of having to run from the king, of having to run from the authorities. And the whole reason he is running from the authorities is because of God. Think about that for a moment. The whole reason he's even in a, a hard position right now is because he's following God's direction. And so the king's furious and he's chasing him. So Elijah, because of his faith, is in an uneasy position. And isn't that how faith works sometimes? Isn't that how it works? Sometimes being in uneasy positions is the result of bold faith. It's just how it works. But there's another result to bold faith, and that is God's provision. God comes through. God provides. He doesn't turn a blind eye to his people. And so Elijah, in this moment where he has to take off, God provides for him. He provides for him in a supernatural way. Elijah has water that he receives from the brook and food that is delivered by Amazon Prime in the form of ravens. <laughs> ravens, like it's one of those things where you read it, you're like, okay, my, yeah, ra- like birds. Birds brought him food. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing that we see here. And it's even more incredible whenever we understand what ravens symbolize in scripture. Um, it, it's, it's shocking. And what I want us to know about this is that we may be surprised by the source of God's provision. In our life, I want to let you know, you will be surprised a time or two by the source that God provides you through. Because ravens, to us, it's just, it's just a bird. But to Elijah, Elijah, who knows the, the, uh, the law of Moses, who knows what Leviticus 11 says, who knows what Deuteronomy 14 says, he knows ravens are ceremonially unclean. They are impure. And they still are. The Baltimore Ravens, evil... <laughs> impure, ungodly, just don't even touch them or you become infected, right? Like just God awful, uh, uh, just terrible things, right? So, (laughs) So Elijah is being fed. He's being provided for by this unclean, impure bird. He must have been surprised by the source. He must have been surprised by the source of what he needed. He needed God to provide. He needed provision, and it was coming from a very surprising source. And you may have surprising sources in your life where you were not expecting God to provide, and he came through for you. How many people have friendships where you're saying, man, we have so many differences between us. I like this stuff. They like this stuff. They went to this school. I went to this school. There's so many things that separate us. But man, God has surprised me because this source has become what I needed. This companionship, this friendship is not what I expected. I didn't expect it to look like this. But man, God's provided for me. He's provided for me. How many people have resources or finances where you're going, man, I wasn't expecting this. I just talked to a small business owner in our church who has a a crazy uh, opportunity coming up. And it's one of those things where they're like, man, we didn't see this coming. I never in a million years saw God doing this, but man, he is providing for my family and for my business in a way that I never would have imagined. They're surprised by the source. I've been surprised by God. The source of his provision has blown me away so many times. Whenever I worked at Allstate, I worked at Allstate from 2016 until 2019. Uh, Whenever I worked there, uh, my first day, the whole reason I even started there was to help provide for me and my family as we tried to start a church in Cleveland. That's the whole reason we were, uh, that I even started working at Allstate. And on day one, they had an option where you could sign up for a 401k and for a pension and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't, no, I can't sign up for any. First off, I don't know what any of those are. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, 
No, like the whole reason I'm even working here is because I can't afford to pay my bills. Like I need every, not dollar, I need every penny. Like every hint of money I need in my bank account, not in some pension account, not in some 401k, but I kid you not, whenever I felt, it's not like God audibly spoke to me, but I felt compelled to start those things. I felt compelled that you just need to do this. You need to do this. At the time, I thought I'd be at Allstate maybe a year tops. I had no idea I'd be there three years. I had no clue. I had no clue what God was doing uh, as, as that 401k built up, as that pension account built up. And now, me and Jessica, as we get ready to make our gift to the church, one of the, the forms, we're, we're going to be, we're, like I said to you guys before, we're Frankensteining our gift. It's coming from multiple sources, but one of the sources that we're giving from is from my Allstate pension account. It's an account, it's got money that we've never touched, that I don't need, and I, I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to brag on God. We're able to give $5,000 from that account, and that's an account that I started on a whim, because I thought, eh, there'll probably be nothing in it, but I feel like I should do this. I had no idea that three years later, four years later, God would be directing us to use that as a gift for a building campaign for a church I wasn't even at at the time. I was surprised by the source. <laughs> I'm surprised as I look back at what God was doing over that time, I'm like, man, he was been providing even when I had no idea that's what he was doing. I may be surprised by the source of God's provision. So God provides for Elijah. He sends the ravens. He's got a brook there where he's able to get water. But if you've been paying attention, God was sending a drought. What happens in droughts? The water dries up. <laughs> and so that brook eventually dries up. And Elijah has to move because there's no water source anymore. And if you were with us uh, last year, uh, I preached a sermon talking about how uh, new moments require new miracles. That whenever you find yourself in a new moment, you can't just keep relying on what God did one time for you all those years ago and just keep trying to wring every last ounce of miracle out of that, right? That at some point, you've got to take a new step of faith. At some point, you've got to put new trust and new faith in God and step forward, trusting him to come through. And Elijah has to do that. As the brook dries up, he is forced to trust God in another new way. And that's where we pick up in verse 9. God tells him to go uh, and to move off to a new area. And this is what it says, starting in verse 9. Go at once to Zarephath. This is what God says to Elijah in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and please bring me a piece of bread. Anyone ever have this happen to them before, right? You just run into the kitchen real quick and say, hey, babe, babe, grab me a cup of water real quick. Yeah, sure. And as you go in, one more thing, a sandwich, just a little sandwich. Come on, please, please. That's what Elijah's doing here. That's what Elijah's doing. He's like, you can go get me some water, and while you're at it, Slice of bread wouldn't hurt, right? Wouldn't kill anybody. <laughs> Verse 12, this is what the woman replies. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Tad bit dramatic, right? <laughs> not, only, 
not only dramatic, but if you're Elijah at this point, you're probably thinking, am I at the right place? Like, am I at the right, God provided for me. He tells me to move on and that he's gonna provide for me again. And he sends me to a poor widow's house. Like, is this, like, this is where I'm supposed to be? Again, surprised by the source. You will be surprised at how God comes through for you and how he provides for you. I guarantee you, Elijah was not expecting this widow to be poor and to not have anything to her name, but she didn't. And God was still about to come through. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. So he's asking her to trust him. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15, she went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord spoke by Elijah. So God comes through with ravens. God comes through with oil. And not only does God come through in this moment, but one of the amazing things is that Elijah's faith in God actually is a catalyst and actually inspires this widow to have faith and belief and trust in God. Isn't that incredible? You see, whenever I have faith in God's provision, it overflows and it inspires. It overflows and it inspires other people who look at it and go, God's doing what for you? Okay, I want some of that. <laughs> I, I wanna be a part of what's going on. It's, it's us watching these videos and saying, okay, I want that in my life. What Cassie has, I want that. What Dean and Bernice have, I want that. What Wes has, I want that. What Alex and Hayden have, I want that. Our faith in God's provision overflows and it inspires other people. That's because your faith and my faith, get this, they don't occur and they don't get lived out in a vacuum. They don't. We live out our faith in front of other people all the time. And I want to let you know, every single person in here, everybody watching online, you have eyes on you. You have eyes on you. Say, tell your neighbor, somebody's watching me. Why does it always feel like somebody's watching me? I wish we could drop the song in right now, right? Somebody's watching me. Someone is always watching me. There are eyes on me. And I want to let you know I'm not saying that as a way of embarrassing you. Sometimes pastors, and I've been guilty of this before, we say that in a way of almost embarrassing people. Like, hey, you're being watched. People are watching you. Better live up to those expectations. I'm not saying it to embarrass you. I'm saying it to encourage you. That there are people out there right now who are being encouraged by your faith. There are people right now who are being inspired by your faith. There are people who are choosing to follow God because they see your faith and they say, I want that. I want that same thing in my life. I see how their marriage is different and I want that in my marriage. I see how their relationship is better and I want that in my life. People are watching you. You have eyes on you and your faith is inspiring other people. Do you wanna know, get this, I, I love this so much. We have young people in our church who their parents are now in church because of them. Isn't that incredible? We have... We have young people in our church who because they have come and found faith in Jesus and because he's changed their life so much, their parents are going, what's going on? <laughs> like, what's happening at this church? And so they've started to come. 
And now they're becoming ministry partners. Now they're wanting to give. It's amazing. It's because faith doesn't occur in a vacuum. Your faith can inspire others. I mean, Dean and Bernice Stevenson, the, the very first week, whenever we watch their video testimony, if you missed it, go back and check it out. I'm inspired by them. These are just faithful people, just faithful, quiet, no-nonsense people who have just put their head down and followed God for decades of their life, just followed him. Every time he said go, they go. When he says stay, they stay. They have just followed him, and I am so challenged by their faithfulness. I'm so challenged by the life that they have lived. So whenever I see them, and I see the, the stuff that they did and the faith that they had in God to provide during our first building project, whenever we built on Killian Road, I see that it inspires me. And it inspires my faith knowing, well, if God provided for them, I can see he'll provide for me. If they were able to trust God completely, I know that I can trust God completely in the here and now. So Elijah, his faith overflows and it doesn't just bless himself, the widow and her son are blessed by it as well. Now, this is the thing. The, the, these first two examples that we've seen where God provides for Elijah, they've been mostly in private settings, right? I mean, the first one, um, it's, it's pretty much just Elijah and those birds that witnessed it. <laughs> like that, that's the only one who saw a miracle happen were Elijah and the ravens. And then in this story, we see that it's Elijah and this widow and her son, but that's it. These are pretty private moments of God providing, but Elijah is about to experience a very public show of God providing in a powerful, powerful way. I'm, I'm going to give a, a little bit of a Cliff Notes version before we hop into the next scriptures because what we're about to read is Elijah finally has this head-to-head -head confrontation with the king of Israel. Him and Ahab finally kind of go mano y mano uh, uh, and finally face each other because the king has obviously been following his own way. He's been following a god of his own making, uh, a god by the name of Baal, this false god that uh, him and many people in the nation of Israel had started to worship, whereas Elijah has stayed faithful to the only true God. And God's wanting Elijah to go confront the king, to go face him and to have this showdown. And so uh, this all takes place on this mount, uh, mountain called uh, Carmel. They meet there, uh, Elijah, uh, and it's kind of him against the prophets of this false god, this prophets of Baal. And so they meet there and Elijah kind of sets up the ground rules. He's like, okay, we're gonna see who is the one true God here. What we're going to do is we're going to have two altars, an altar for Baal and an altar for Jehovah. And what we're going to see is which God actually answers. We'll put a sacrifice on each one of these altars, and the God who answers by fire is the true God. How does that sound? Prophets of Baal agree, and so that's the, the, the setting that we find ourselves in. And the prophets of Baal, they're up first. They start praying to their God. They're praying for a few minutes. Minutes turn into an hour. Hour turns into a couple hours. <laughs> no fire's coming. And the Bible, the Bible, man, if you don't read it, it's, it's very entertaining. Um, Elijah doesn't just sit there praying and meditating while this has happened. He starts mocking them. He starts calling them out. He said, hey, I think, <laughs> I think Baal is asleep. Just yell a little louder. Just pray a little louder. Maybe he'll hear you then, right? He's, he's just completely uh, uh, rubbing their nose in the fact that their God is not answering, that their God is not providing. And so then it's Elijah's turn. Baal never answers, and it's up to Elijah. And he goes a step further. Not only does he set up his altar, he has the servants who are there douse the thing in water. 
Just completely douse it. Remember, the, 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 the standard here is which God will answer by fire. So Elijah completely douses his sacrifice, makes it totally wet, just completely pours water all over it. And then this is what he says. We uh, pick up in chapter 18, starting in verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Not so private of provision anymore. <laughs> this is witnessed by all of Israel. They see God move in extreme, extreme power. And what I want to let you know is I, as I read this verse of Scripture, this is a, a, a statement and then a question I want to ask of you today is, first off, who receives my faith determines if I receive provision. Who receives my faith, where I'm putting it, determines if I will actually see any provision, if I will see God provide for me or not. You see, the prophets of Baal, they were putting their faith in the wrong place. And so when it came time for God to provide, their God didn't answer. Their God couldn't answer. Who are you trusting in today? And I know, I know the churchy answer. I know that we're all like, oh, well, God, only God, right? I'm available, God. Like, that's the only God that I'm trusting in. And I get that. And that's the cry of my heart, too. But I also know sometimes I do have that tendency. I do have that urge. I do have that temptation to follow other gods, to follow the God of money, to put my faith and my trust in that God to provide for me. And just like the prophets of Baal, I'm calling out, asking the God of money to hear my answer to give me comfort, to give me confidence, to give me certainty. For some of us, it's the God of work. For some of us, it's the God of busyness. For some of us, it's the, uh, the God of love and relationships. For some of us, it's the God of substance abuse. For some of, us, for some of us, it's the God of politics. It's the God of politics. That's the altar that we worship at. That's the altar that we're saying, make a change. God, provide for me. Politician, party, government, provide for me. Do what I want you to do and, and do this and do that. What God are we putting our trust in to provide? If it's anything other than God, it's a counterfeit. And if it's anything other than God, the provision you get is a counterfeit provision and it will not last. It will be temporary. All of those things may soothe you for a while, but eventually they will fade and you will find yourself crying up saying, answer me, help me, provide for me, and there won't be an answer. Nothing will come and help you. Only God, only God. And you know, I, this is something I was actually thinking in, uh, in between first service and this service. Um, there, may be, there may be a reason that you fear putting your faith in God. Like you're, you kind of worry, right? We're, we're talking about being worried that God will provide for us. And your worry may be rooted in the fact that you've put your faith in all these other gods and they've let you down. And you're afraid that God's gonna do the same thing and he's not. He's not. You're, you're thinking, oh, well, I don't, I, you know, don't want to put my confidence because I've been burnt before. Yeah. 
you've been burnt by false gods, not by the God. You haven't been burnt by him before. He hasn't let you down before. And so you may have fear of putting your faith in a God, but it's because you've been putting it in the wrong God this entire time. That's me. Can I, can I be real vulnerable? My, my tendency, my God, the God that I worship far too often is the God of money. Not from a material sense, not from a, ooh, I want to have the nicest thing. Man, go look at my car. See if I'm a materialistic guy, right? You'll find it. It's the one with rust spots on the hood and the big crack in the window that I've had for about a year and a half now, right? It's not a materialistic thing, my, my, my worship of the God of money. It's a comfort thing. It's a certainty thing. It's a confidence thing. I like the certainty that money gives me. I like the confidence that it provides for me. And so I, I, I check my account balances multiple times every day. And I'm, I'm up to date with what's going on in my retirement savings because I'm, it's comforting. It makes me feel confident. Now, hear what, I'm, hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's bad to be wise with money. I'm not saying that it's bad to be frugal. Though, of course, those are good things. But whenever I start relying on it to be my provision, whenever I start relying on it to be my provider, that's whenever I realize I am building an altar to a false god. And this thing will let me down because it has before, <laughs> many times before. That's why I have to kill that god Every single month, every single month, whenever I write our, our tithe check and I make that tithe online, not only am I honoring the one true God by saying, hey, I trust you to provide for me, I am putting to death the false God saying, and I know you never can. I trust you will provide for me and I know you're, you're never able to. You're never able to. You're a false God and I'm not going to worship you and I'm not gonna trust in you anymore. It's a constant reminder of my true provider who is yet to fail. That doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy to kill these false gods and to focus on the true God. But man, whenever I have faith in God's purpose and God's plan, I can trust his provision. Whenever I have trust and say, you know what? God's plan is good. God's purpose for my life is real and it's valid and it's there. As long as I can trust those things, then I can trust that he'll provide. I don't need to know what that provision looks like. I just need to know that it will be there. And Elijah is about to get this reminder. So we've seen God provide through ravens. We've seen God provide through oil. We've seen God provide through fire. God's about to provide for Elijah again and give him a much, much needed reminder. So we're going to jump back to where we started this entire thing off in chapter 19 with Elijah in a place we're not expecting to find him. The verse we started today off with was Elijah on the run. Seems counterintuitive to what we just read. God had just moved in a mighty way. Fire, not metaphorical, literal fire fell from heaven in front of everyone. Everyone sees that the Lord is God and the Lord moves in mighty ways. They see this, yet the very next chapter, we see Elijah on the run. We see Elijah fearful and afraid. He takes off because of the threat of Jezebel and Ahab. But remember what God does. Let's pick it up in chapter 19, starting the second half of verse four. He, Elijah, came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He's on the run. He's tired. He's just witnessed this amazing miracle, but he is defeated. He is depressed. He is frustrated. 
Verse five, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep all at once. An angel touched him and he said, get up and eat. Elijah looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You see, what I love about this last set of scriptures that we're looking at is that it shows God's provision isn't just powerful, it's personal. It's not just powerful, it's personal. Elijah had just witnessed powerful moves of God. He had just witnessed DoorDash via Ravens. (laughs) He had just witnessed oil that was just filling up the bottom of a vat, but now it's practically overflowing. He witnessed fire fall from heaven. He witnessed all these things and yet felt defeated. He, He saw all of these things. He saw God move in powerful ways and he still felt fearful. And that's because sometimes the move of God that we need most in our lives is not a powerful move, but a personal one. Sometimes what we need the most is not power, but personal. Sometimes what we need isn't the parting of the sea, but the wiping away of tears. (laughs) You've been there? Where it's like, yeah, that's great that God does all these mighty, mighty things, but man, I just need a personal move. I just need him to do something in my life right now. And God does that for Elijah. He provides him something so personal, something so intimate. He cooks him dinner. Cooks him dinner. Let's him have a nap. (laughs) Elijah, this tired, hungry, beaten, defeated man, falls asleep and wakes up to a fire, water, and fresh food. God gives him comfort in this intimate act of provision. It's not just powerful, it's personal. And so maybe in your life, maybe in your life, God's provision isn't curing the cancer, but it's restoring that relationship you thought would never get restored. And it means more to you than any good prognosis you would ever get. Because it's not about power anymore, it's about personal, it's about intimate. Maybe God's biggest provision in your life isn't letting you win the lottery, (laughs) isn't letting you hit mega millions, but it's giving you those relationships and those friendships and those companions that you need so badly. You felt alone for so long and God has brought people into your life and you're just thanking him, saying, God, thank you. I didn't need anything powerful. I just needed something personal and you've done it for me. Maybe the biggest provision of God isn't you losing that weight, but him taking the weight off of your shoulders, saying you're you're trying to be too perfect. You're trying to just carry this all by yourself. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me take some of that off of your shoulders. I know in my life, the biggest provision I've ever experienced was not me getting that job at Allstate that like saved our finances. And that's a contender. That was pretty big. The the biggest provision wasn't me getting uh, the lead pastor job here at Cornerstone, coming back to my home church and being the lead pastor here. That's, That's not it either. The biggest provision I ever got wasn't these powerful, big, whoa, look at that things. It was the peace God gave me in the midst of my dad's death. It's the biggest provision God's ever provided for me. Absolutely, you can clap for that because God God moved in me and in my family in such a strong way. And it wasn't powerful. It wasn't this big, mighty thing where everyone's going, whoa, look at that. 
It was personal and it was intimate and it was comfort and it was peace. And that's what I needed. Not something powerful, but something personal. Just something personal. Elijah, he had witnessed God's power. He just needed personal comfort. That's exactly what God gave him. Personal comfort, personal provision. And I think God also did another thing for Elijah in these moments. Because this miracle, him waking up to to food prepared for him and water right there, I feel like what God is doing is reminding him what we read in 1 Kings 17. God's taking him on a trip down memory lane to the very first time that God came through for him. Elijah is on the run, and God makes sure that he has food and he has water. It's the very first thing that God did for him. And then here we are again, years later down the road, and Elijah is given food and water and comfort by God. And I think what God is doing is saying, hey, you're waking up to fresh food and fresh water. Remember this isn't the first time this happened? Remember how I provided for you back then? And remember the oil? And remember the fire? And remember the food? I didn't forget about you then and there. I'm not going to forget about you here and now. What makes you think I'm suddenly going to fail you? (laughs) What makes you suddenly think that there aren't going to be any apples left? (laughs) What makes you suddenly think that the cupboards are going to be bare? What makes you suddenly think that I'm going to forget about you and I'm going to fail you? I never have. I never will. I didn't fail you then and there, and I won't forget about you here and now. God has never failed God never failed Elijah. Cornerstone, God never failed us. God has never failed us. We have never experienced failure because God has been with us. He has provided for us every step of the way. And if he's provided for us then and there, he's gonna do it here and now. He's gonna come through for us again. So as we step into this campaign, as we step into building this facility and we all have these questions, and well, man, I mean, that's one of the biggest questions I get. What if we don't have enough money to finish the building? Well, what happens if this happens? Well, what if all of these questions wondering about provision, what if God doesn't give? What if God doesn't meet? What if, what if we try our hardest and God doesn't come that last bit? He didn't forget us then and there. He will not forget us here and now. He won't do it. He won't do it. We have seen God move. We believe it. As a church, we believe this. You want to know how much we believe this? We are starting a $2 million building campaign in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> Come on. Like, who, who does that unless you believe God will provide? That's the only reason we do this is because we're like, you know what? If we walk steps from favor and we act like no one else is coming, we we put it on us and say, hey, it's just me and God. If we truly do that, we know the God who provided ravens, the God who provided oil, the God who provided fire, the God who provided food, he's going to provide for us too. He didn't suddenly stop. He didn't suddenly change. It's the same God and he will provide again. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Because I believe it. I believe God is going to do something and he is going to provide for us in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend, that we are going to look back and go, what? (laughs) I did not expect it to come from this source. I did not expect it to come from this source. I didn't expect it to be so personal the way that God met exactly what we needed. He's going to provide. And I can't wait to see what it looks like. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are the provider, that you are the provider, that 
There are so many false gods who have let us down, the gods of money, of relationships, of busyness, of work, of politics. The list goes on and on. And God, we have all put our faith in these false gods from time to time, and we have all ended up in the same place, crying out and getting no response, getting no provision. That's not the case with you. That is not the case with you. When we follow you, when we follow your plan, when we follow your purpose, we know you will provide for us. It's not a, a question of if you will, it's just when you will, how you will. But we know you will. Because God, if you did not fail us then and there, you won't start here and now. So that means we can trust you here and now. And in all the here and nows to come, and all the futures to come, we can trust you. We can take those steps out of the favor that we are your sons and daughters we can live like no one else is coming. We can give sacrificially. We can give till it hurts knowing you will see us through, yeah. that you yourself will lift us up and you yourself will provide. God, that gives us confidence. That gives us confidence to boldly step into the future that you have in mind for us, not just as a church, but as individuals, yeah. that we can count on you to provide because you've done it before and you'll do it again. We love you, Father, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.